Don't you just love this story? I, I, I was trying to find, there's, I, I have a children's Bible someplace in my home that has a picture similar to this. Jesus sitting in the field by a tree with all of the children gathered around. And it's, it is just such a... Uh, it shows us the heart of God, right? That God's heart is for children. And, and that we come to Him as children. This, this passage that Paul read for us in Mark chapter 10, and if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. That's what we're going to be um, looking at today is Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 16. And it is, it is just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful story. I want to say that... Um, for parents who have young children that bring to this place. Um, thank you. It is uh, such a privilege for us to, um, to have children a part of our church family here. Um, and I, I want you to know that, that this is a place where you don't have to worry about kids making a little extra noise, running around, coming up and grabbing onto Grandpa's leg. Um, we, we recognize that, that kids don't necessarily all fit into nice little sit in your spot and never move and quiet as mouse and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And that is wonderful. We want them to come. This is the right place for you to bring kids. We don't want you ever to feel stressed out that your kid is maybe disturbing or distracting somebody, if your kid has to sit under the seats in color or play with trucks or whatever, uh, even if it doesn't look like they're listening or any of that kind of stuff, this is the right place for them to be. And um, it is, not only is it right for them to, to be here on a regular basis, but it is good for them to see you here in this place on a regular basis. That, that this is a priority for you to make a part of your week of being involved in this church family. And so, so if they're going to make a little noise, if they're going to blurt out things in the middle of the service that you're going to, oh, it's okay. This is, this is a good place for kids to be. And we want them to be a part of this family, whatever that takes we're reading from Mark chapter 10, verse 13, and I'm just going to read the passage once again here for us. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. So when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of god truly i say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of god like a child will never enter it so he took them into his arms and he blessed them laying his hands on them 
I'm going to move this because it's going to blind me. They brought their children to Jesus that he might touch them. What do you think they were anticipating? What was it about the touch that they were looking for? I've actually, I, I haven't looked that closely at the, the word touch, the Greek word touch, but I did this week because I was trying to think, why, what, what exactly were these parents expecting? What, what were they looking for from Jesus? And, and it's really quite interesting. The, the Greek word for, for touch that we translate touch um, can mean to, to fasten or to adhere to, so to, to grab a hold of, to, uh, to get connected with. But then it also is used to talk about, the, the, the Strong's Dictionary says, to, to fasten fire to a thing, to, to set them something aflame. It's, it's actually the very same word that's used in Acts. You remember the story when Paul is on his uh, journey across the, the Mediterranean and uh, he's in chains and being taken to Rome and they have the shipwreck and uh, they, they um, eventually get onto the island of Malta where they are able to gather all of the crew together and they, uh, all, uh, everybody survives and there on the beach, the residents of Malta start a fire to warm them up. Same word here that's being used. Uh, to, to touch something with the flame. This is the same word that has been used throughout Mark when people come to Jesus to be touched for healing. So Jesus, when he saw the leper, he touched him. Same word. Set him on fire for healing. When other people, when the, the woman who had been uh, uh, bleeding for 12 years came and touched his robe. Same word. So what were the parents looking for? They were bringing their children to be healed, to be touched, to be set aflame by Jesus. What a, what a great word. We should have a word like means that that we talk about when we come to Jesus, to be, to be set on fire by Him. What a, what a great picture for, for what we are, are needing here. So when Jesus touches or heals somebody, He is setting them on fire. And then the disciples go and wreck it. <laughs> like what better motivation, what better thing to want to do to bring your child to Jesus, to get them to know Jesus. And what are the disciples? They do? They say, no, 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 keep those kids out of here. Well, and again, we, we've talked about this just a few weeks ago when we talked about how Jesus brought a child into the center after the disciples had been arguing who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus said, Unless you receive a child like this into your midst, you have no part of me. Um, and, and, and we talked about that there. Again, I come across all of these commentaries who, who talk about the, 
the low value that children had in ancient times, in these days and, and before. And, uh, you know, they, they, they talk about how children were only seen as, in their potential for, for one day becoming adults and actually being able to contribute something. That, that prior to that, children were merely tolerated. And they, they, they refer to the propensity that there was in a lot of different religions to, to engage in child sacrifice, to give up your children to sacrifice to the gods to appease them. Uh, they, they talk about um, the, the Romans, the, the culture that was in that place. To, to if, there were, if you had more than one child, that it was a, a costly thing and, and became difficult for dividing up your, your inheritance between all these children. And so it was a common practice to, if there was an unwanted child, uh, an unwanted pregnancy birth, that, that, that they would take the baby once it had been born and throw it onto garbage heaps and just allow it to die there. And that actually became one of the, the transformational um, acts of Christians as they would go and hang out in the garbage dumps to rescue these babies because Jesus said the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So I, it's just hard to imagine for me to be in a culture that, that doesn't see the value in children. Uh, um, you know, at, at the same time, I have to, you know, we're, we've been looking through Mark already and we've seen parents' love for their children in some situations and instances, right? There, uh, there was the, the, after the transfiguration and they came down in the valley, there was a man there that was so concerned about his son who was possessed by a demon that he had brought him to Jesus and the disciples were trying to cast out the demon but this you could you could hear the anguish in this father's voice how this son had been tormented over the years and and this demon that 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 controlled it had had been trying to destroy his son throwing him into water throwing him into fire to try and kill him and you can hear the anguish of this father's voice we uh, we heard about the the Syrophoenician woman who 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 came to Jesus asking for, again, to, to release her daughter from, um, uh, from demon possession. Um, and, and, and you hear the anguish, this woman desperate, even just for the, the crumbs off of the table that she would have, even just a, a taste of, of Jesus' goodness in her daughter's life. Um, so I, I don't know... I, I don't know exactly why the disciples would have had this idea that Jesus wouldn't want the children around him. Uh, I guess maybe I can understand if they thought Jesus was here teaching and, and having that kind of a mindset that children really only have value once they become adults, which was at a young age, 13, right? Uh, that, that then at that age of accountability, then they can start making decisions for themselves. And so prior to that, there really is no value of them hearing the teaching of Jesus because they can't make any decisions for themselves anyway. I, maybe that's what it is, or, or maybe they were just concerned that the kids were going to be making so much noise that nobody would be able to hear Jesus. And, and so uh, they were trying to get, I, I don't know exactly wh- why, 
But whatever it was, it was wrong. And Jesus is, is clear on the infinite value of children, little children, babies even. He says, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Not even that the kingdom of God welcomes such as these, but, but the kingdom of God is theirs. And if, and if it belongs to children, the kingdom of God being of, of limitless beauty and limitless perfection, limitless uh, existence, that therefore children's ownership of the kingdom of God puts infinite value on them as individuals. And then he says something that I think we really need to hear today. He says, verse 15, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. How do we receive the kingdom of God like a child? I think we can get some, some wrong ideas of what Jesus is saying here in this. We live in a culture that, that has this idea that children are pure, perfect. Um, and so there would be those that would hear this and say, well, of course you have to come to Jesus in that purity, in that innocence of spirit. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. Um, I think... It comes to the reality that the children bring nothing. Children have no wealth that they are able to bring to, to curry favors or to buy uh, a, a, a appreciation or, or, or position or anything like that. Children really have no skills that are of use within community, within society. It's also true that children don't have a purity. They come with nothing. <laughs> children are born into this world hardwired to sin. And, and that's not maybe popular, but... But I can testify, my children, I did not teach them <laughs> how to lie, how to be self-centered, how to, to, to respond angrily to when somebody takes something. You know, it, you don't have to teach a child, nobody has ever taught a child to, uh, to, to tell a lie, to, to say, mine, that belongs to me. 
And, and you can say, well, maybe kids see examples of people being selfish. Yeah, but you never hear an adult saying, mine. <laughs> kids are good at that. You don't see adults down on the ground throwing a tantrum. Unless they're playing soccer, right? Maybe. <laughs> but you didn't have to teach children that. It's not like children see adults doing that and therefore just copy that. It, that's something that is hardwired deep within their very nature. So children come with nothing. In order for them to survive, in order for them to mature and grow, to, be, to have something of value to offer to the community, they need to be guided by their, by their parents, their adults in their lives. They need to be protected. They need to be cared for and looked after. They need to be empowered to be able to to take steps and, and risks in their lives. When Jesus says that unless you receive the kingdom like a child, what he's saying is recognizing coming to the kingdom of God with the awareness that you bring nothing. That there is Nothing of value that you have to offer that is worth membership, not, not membership, ownership of the kingdom of God. It, it, it's not a, even just a, a humble attitude. There, uh, there's this new guy, I, some of you know that I've been, uh, I've, I volunteer with the, the Vancouver Island Adaptive Snow Sports. We're up on Mount Washington and helping people who have disabilities to be able to get out and ski. It's a lot of fun. We have a new guy that just started this year. He's first year um, uh, instructor, just went through his certification, and he went out with me for a lesson. I was, because I've been involved with this for a number of years, I took the lead in all of this, and he was there to kind of learn from me <laughs> as we went through the lesson and I had conversation, I discovered that this guy <laughs> has been teaching ski patrol for 30 years. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I doing teaching you anything? Uh, but he had such a warm, friendly, humble attitude where he wasn't coming in and saying, look at me, look at what I can do for you. Everybody cater to my needs or whatever. He, he was just very humble. He wasn't coming in. He was very teachable and open to, to the things that we were doing, following the, the process and, the, and the, the, the lesson plan that, that I was putting together. You would never know that this guy has had years and years and years of experience on the slopes. Very humble. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. It's not having a humility, knowing that you have lots of skills and things to offer, but then you come humbly and just say, Lord, whatever I can do for you with all of my stuff available. Even in that humility of not 
bragging about your stuff, but just coming humbly. That is not what Jesus is talking about. Because you come with nothing. There is nothing that you have to offer the, the kingdom of God that has any value, any use. And unless we come to that place of understanding for ourselves, that recognition that all of the, the good things that I might do, all of the skills that I might have, all of the right attitudes and, and, and pure motives and everything else that I might have amount to nothing. When it is measured against the infinite horror of my sinfulness. That there is nothing that I can do that would balance out that justice measure. Unless we come to that place, we will never enter the kingdom of God. It is in that place of recognizing that we are wholly dependent on Jesus to care for us, to guide us, to protect us, to empower us. If we have this, this feeling that we have somehow something that we can contribute to all of this, we're missing the message of the gospel. We're missing the hope that there is. Because just like those little children that came to Jesus, when we come without any expectation of what we can bring, but instead come in, in looking for a touch, looking to be set on fire, to be purified by Him, that's when He blesses us. That's when He uses us. That's when suddenly we are able to accomplish all of these marvelous things for the gospel, for the kingdom of God, not because of what we bring, but because of what Jesus has done within us. Even for those who have been a part of the kingdom of God and have seen the Lord use them, we still come with nothing. Any of the gifts that we would have, any of the skills that we would bring are all gifted to us by the Father. I love that picture of heaven that we have in, in Revelation where all of the, the elders the 24 elders that are sitting around the throne of God in worship come and lay down their crowns, their stephanos. Those are crowns of earning. That's, that's the same crowns that are described, uh, that are used to talk about uh, Olympic athletes who receive that laurel wreath or, or the mighty general who returns from conquering the enemy. He's given a Stephanos, a, a crown that he has earned. And these elders, all of these, 
these deeds that they have been able to accomplish, all of the, the lives that they have been able to share the, the gospel with that, that, that they brought to new life, all of the, the acts of kindness, all of the, the acts of power and miracles that they were able to do, all of the, the words of, of transforming power that they were able to communicate into our world, all of those Stephanos, they lay them at the feet of Jesus because it was him that did it in the first place. Because we come with nothing. Nothing. That's the gospel. Is even in the midst of our nothing, God loves us. God sacrificed his son for us. God brings us to new life and takes our nothing and creates a miracle. He was able to take nothing and create this entire universe. Imagine what we would do with all of our nothings to change this world. Are you ready? Are you ready to acknowledge that you come with nothing? To lay yourself at the feet of Jesus, looking for His touch, for Him to set you on fire, to purify your heart, to change who you are, to, to guide you and to teach you, to empower you to accomplish things that you would never have been able to do otherwise. If you're ready with that kind of recognition to come to Jesus just like a child, let me invite you to pray, to tell Him that. Lord, today... I come into your presence with nothing. And I come looking for your touch because I know that the only hope, the only way that I can live out my purpose is to put my life in your hands and see you take nothing and turn it into something of infinite value. Lord, I want to become a part of your kingdom. I want to have ownership in the kingdom of God, to be adopted as your child. So I surrender to your grace. I surrender to your touch of fire in my life. And I commit to follow your leading, follow in your steps for the rest of my days. Thank you for saving me. Amen.